Hi, and welcome to From Many People's Strength, the podcast that covers Saskatchewan politics and current events. My name is Corey, and my pronouns are he and him. And my name is David, and my pronouns are they and them, or he and him. Okay, and we have a few stories this time around. Yeah, we, uh, we were looking at trying to reduce the number of stories we would do each week, and weren't really any that <laughs> felt that it was appropriate to cut. They were all, I, yeah, they were all pretty significant um, and it, uh, yeah. had the Saskatchewan angle that we try and focus on as well. So, uh, I suppose before we get into them, uh, I should say thank you to everybody who listens. If you uh, can share the show around, um, uh, comment, like, subscribe, all that stuff that you do when you like a YouTube channel or a podcast. <laughs> Moving it to the front now instead of saying it at the end, right? Well, we'll say it at the end too. But... <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair. But all, right. all the all the analytics people say you got to say it at the start and at the end. <laughs> okay, I'm so, sure there's lots of science in that. I'm sure, yeah, let's... yeah. All right, so our first story. Yes. Okay, so the motion to decriminalize the possession of drugs on the agenda at Regina Police Board meeting. This uh, story was at the end of August, uh, so I'm not sure if this has happened since uh, I initially got this story. But, but uh, Andrew Stevens, uh, our city councillor, brought up the idea of decriminalizing uh, basic simple possession of all drugs um, that are for personal use, and basically, from what I can, what I've heard, like that, we also have in our, we'll have in the show notes a link to uh, Blue Sky from CBC where they actually discussed it with the, the chief of police and he seems on board with this as well. So uh, it just seems like a good idea. You're not criminalizing people for being addicted that way. Right. And as, as anti-cop as I am, um, I said before, um, if we're going to have a chief of police, um, chief Bray <laughs> this, is, is about as good as you can get. This um, is the one to have if you have yeah, to have one. <laughs> if you have to have one, right? Um, so I, I am, I am glad that he is in support of it. I'm not, I'm not surprised, which I'm kind of surprised that I'm not surprised. Um, <laughs> if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. Um, that's fair. And I, again, drugs, drugs and drug addiction is one of the only health issues we have in society where we criminalize people for being sick. Um, yeah. and, and criminalize people for having a health issue. So it, um, yeah, it just seems like it makes sense. Um, the science is behind it. Um, the places where they do this have positive outcomes. It, it, it saves money for the city. Um, it's better for people. Like it, it's, it's all around should be a no brainer. Yeah. Um, and it's sad that it is not. Yeah. We are, uh, it's the Regina idea is kind of, it's it says inspired by Vancouver and, uh, and the federal government has discussed it as well, or has kind of, you know, bandied the idea about, uh, because it's just, like you say, it's a no brainer. It's just good for every, everybody involved. It, it saves on money and it yeah. saves on, uh, harm to individuals. So well, what's interesting is, you know, when the talk of legalization of marijuana came in, one of the things that always got brought up was this whole, Oh, well, if you, um, Legalize marijuana. What's next? What other drugs will be next? And like, 
Some people all jumped to the, oh, well, no, well, it's just not. And then a, a number of us were like, yeah, all of them, do it. Like, <laughs> yeah. the, the all of the same things that we've been saying about marijuana, um, maybe less so about the, the individual harm aspect. Like, some of these are quite harmful, yes. and you can overdose, and, and there are more significant uh, health risks for using them. But, like, the other arguments about how it, it fills prison systems it criminalizes um, folks that should be receiving medical treatment. The threat of criminal prosecution prevents people from getting medical treatment. Like all of those things still apply. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, I don't know. I, th- I think it's one of those step forwards. I think there's been uh, on the blue sky uh, radio uh, segment. There was a, a person who called in talking about Portugal and right. their decriminalization uh, or yep. legalization thing and the outcomes from that. And it sounds like they've had good results from this. So yep. if something works, we should do it. <laughs> yes, <laughs> absolutely. Um, and again, it, it's, it, it, we, if we, if you treat addiction as a health issue, as opposed to a crime issue, it enables people to get healthy. Yeah. Like that, that's just all there is to it. It, it. it shouldn't be that complicated. And I understand there's stigmas and I understand that we have some, you know, societal inertia to overcome, but hopefully we can start moving in the right direction and, and things like this will, will help us help get us there. Yeah, for sure. Saskatchewan has doubled the national average for intimate partner violence, which is uh, so in the wake of a domestic incident that left Charlene Graham dead at Meadow Lake campground, uh, which is a a very sad story. I was reading about that. It's truly, truly sad. Um, So, yeah, the issue of intimate partner violence in Saskatchewan is becoming far more visible. And we have a lot compared to our population. And I, there's a number of factors that uh, cause uh, intimate partner violence. And I, I don't, I know you're going to get people that point at uh, various groups and like say that, Oh, it's uh, those people that are doing that. And I want to make sure that like, if, if you see a a predominance of people, domestic partner violence within certain demographics, that does not mean that those demographics are predisposed to domestic partner violence. (laughs) It it merely means that the factors surrounding that, that cause that are more uh, prevalent for those people. So I hope I wasn't being too obtuse. (laughs) As in don't let the fight against misogyny start making people racist. Is that the the TLDR on that? Yeah, no, you're right. Um, And no, it it is. um, We know, we know a lot of the factors that can prevent this. Um, Economic freedom is a big one. When people are in violent situations, if they don't have the economic means to get themselves out of those situations, they end up being forced to stay in them longer. And so groups that are um, more economically disadvantaged are more likely to be trapped in 
domestic violence situations like that yeah. that we know there, there's no if ands or buts about that um and we know um lack of education can leave leave this and I, and I don't want there to be any blaming of victims the only the, the only um individual responsible for what happens in a domestic violence situation is the abuser um, yes we also know that there are a lot of factors that can help break that cycle of abuse um and if we have greater economic and social equality um you're going to see that cycle get broken before someone becomes a loser. Yeah. Various yeah. access, access to various, uh, uh, mental health resources, uh, yeah. access to other, uh, support systems. This is all stuff that if we did this as a, as a community, as a society, uh, this would reduce the number of, uh, cases. Yeah. And it ties into the previous story too, right? Addictions feeds into this, yes. um, heavily as well. So, um, you, you make it easier for people to get help when they are struggling with addictions. You know, again, you can break that cycle early. Um, and I, again, it, it's um, I, the fact that Saskatchewan is in such a um, rough spot on this compared to national numbers um, largely speaks to the level of social and economic inequality we have in the province. Yeah. Uh, now, again, none of this negates the abusers right. who are affluent um, and the the people who are rich, white, middle-class folk who have power over others and abuse that power um, because yeah. they can. Um, and, and I think those are, those are equally important issues to address and um, deal with and, and to step in and say this is not acceptable yeah that's right i'll let that get sort of lost in the no that's right shuffle of what the of what else we're talking about so yeah because we would like we like to be like uh uh you know view things in a systemic way and try to help people that uh you know have various other things going on but yeah like you say like affluent white dude who you know has no economic yeah. issues i mean that still happens a lot and it's yeah. We know this is about power, not about anything else. Yeah, um, right. And um, again, a lot of times it's about the disempowerment of the abused power uh, partner. Sorry, um, you know, we we see in situations where um, there is the elevation of we see in situations where there's the elevation of uh, women within demographic um, abuse goes down. Um, so it's right. not about uh, again, it's it's about providing the power to escape, um, and again, looking at this from that systemic lens, um, it, it's we just need. Yeah. Anyways, I'm 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 repeating myself at this point. Um, I, I think it's such a frustrating, fraught issue, and there's so many complex moving parts. Um, yeah. That yeah, need to be addressed in multiple ways. That there isn't a one size fits all solution. Yeah, that's right. So. The National Day for Truth and Reconciliation won't be a statutory holiday for everyone in Saskatchewan. The U of S and the City of Saskatoon will mark it, but the province does not plan to. Uh, and federal employees will have that. Uh, I'm not. Yeah. I'm. I. I don't. Having it be a statutory holiday is not reconciliation. <laughs> <laughs> so uh 
I don't, I don't think that this is a good thing to do, uh, based on that, right? I'm yeah. for every single holiday that we can have. I'm also for, uh, a day for like actually observing truth and reconciliation and actually working towards that. Um, but making this a statutory holiday is not going to solve yeah. anything really. Someone was <laughs> pointing out, um, the irony that with, when it comes to statutory holidays, um, they tend to benefit affluent white collar people more than anyone else because they're yeah. the ones, we're the ones who get that off. Um, I'm getting the 30th off. I work for a bank. It's federally regulated. Um, so That's, I will uh... have that day off work. <laughs> I am not the one who needs that. Uh, don't yeah, get me it's... wrong. Again, I, I, I agree with you that we, you know, more, you know, the more time off for labor, even white collar labor is, is good, yeah. but, um, yeah. That's, that's not the, <laughs> that is not the be all and end all. Yeah. Uh, we saw a similar discussion going on, uh, when America, when the United States was doing a, a Juneteenth was going to be a statutory holiday. Um, yeah. I think they did ultimately do that, but, uh, it's the same, same idea. Like you don't solve racism by making a statutory holiday. So, but also let's have as many holidays as we can. <laughs> yeah. And it is telling, I was going to say, it is telling which regions of the country have decided that it's worth marking and which have decided it is not. Yeah. I, I want to, I want to, uh, I want to say that the Saskatchewan government could be (laughs) saying, yes, of course, we're going to observe this day and we're going to make it a holiday so that we can observe it better. Um, there was somebody saying like that, uh, our Saskatchewan government is not around right now. Everybody's kind of on holidays or what have you. So um, that's the reason that they haven't touched done. This. There's some irony. <laughs> yeah. It actually reminds me of um, exchange. Um, had really Gormley damn near 10 years ago. Um, and he had was ranting and raving about how, um, with the issue of um, um, missing and murdered indigenous women, that what we don't need is yet another study. We don't need yet another commission examining this. Um, we need action, not just another study. And that's why conservatives are opposed to a, you know a, launching a study or whatnot on this issue. That's why. <laughs> well, and it's like, okay, but you can't say that while also opposing action. Right. You can't say we don't need another study. We need action and then not do the action. And I kind of feel the same on this. It's yeah. all fine and good to say we don't need a, like, just a statutory holiday. We need more concrete action towards reconciliation. Because I, I agree with that. Yeah. But then you have to come forward with the action that you want to take. You, yeah. you can't just say, oh, I don't want to do A, we're going to do B instead, but then not say what B is. <laughs> and uh, not do anything with B, we're just going to not do yeah. A. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, our next one, however, is it's something that actually I, I was quite happy to see and I wish I could have been a part of. Uh, Regina Rally calls for federal party leaders to make climate change action a top priority ahead of the election. Uh, there were 60 rallies planned across the country. And we had one here in our town of Regina, um, talking like collect, uh, about a hundred people gathered downtown to, uh, yeah, say, Hey, we need to do something for, um, you know, climate change. This is pretty big deal. 
Yes. I, I really wish I could have been there. <laughs> yeah. I really wish I could have been there for it. I was working, um, which I suppose uh, if a person is truly committed to the program, <laughs> to, to the project, wouldn't deter them from uh, attending. But <laughs> yes, no, we all pick it. We all have to make our choices on when, when we do and when we don't. Right. Yeah. Uh, which is the whole point of some of this stuff, right? Is you need yeah. to like, I don't think anyone is saying we need to, you know, return to a completely non-carbon lifestyle within the next two years. Like, right. I don't think anyone is arguing that. So it is a matter of prioritizing things and making tough choices. And just like you need to decide that you needed to work instead of going to a rally, sometimes there are going to be things where we say, all right, we're going to um, phase this out over you know, 15 years instead of 10, or we're going to make this trade-off. We're going to um, accept that we're uh, the heavy metals used in this uh, renewable resource um, production is going to be caught, you know, has a higher cost benefit compared to the use right, of carbon yeah. or vice versa. Right. Yeah. Um, and making those tough choices. So that was yeah. me taking your little anecdote and turning it into a <laughs> probably more deep metaphor than it needed to be. Well, I, um, I like that I, because uh, it's, it's one of these things, right? Like uh, a thing that could get real uh, climate action is if say we could convince people to do like a general strike and actually withhold their labor for a, a time until somebody actually took action uh, or laid down concrete policies. Uh, so maybe uh, a person like myself should be attending these rallies, even if I'm supposed yeah. to be at work, but uh, also we all have to live. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, and again, that speaks to where, where you put your, energy like it, it this isn't like individuals attending rallies making their voice heard absolutely will put pressure on elected officials but climate change is not going to be solved by right. giving up plastic straws and taking shorter showers like yeah i'm not right. saying those are necessarily bad things um and those probably can contribute but these changes need to be systemic there needs to be a climate plan um, yeah. you know, we, you know, the United States didn't get to the moon by a whole bunch of people jumping every now and then, right? No, like any massive projects require organization on a large scale. Um, yeah. and, and this is one of them, like that we, we are facing a crisis and we need to have organized action. And I'm glad there are people who, um, came out and said that with their voices. Absolutely. The Saskatchewan government announced some um, COVID measurements or COVID measures, measurements. Yeah. COVID measures, but not uh, mandated masks. I didn't see too much in here. Just kind of like if you test positive, you have to self-isolate. <laughs> yeah. So we're going back to what, which should have never gone away. Like, yeah. The testing one positive. Yeah. Testing positive resulting in isolation should not like that should never have gone away that yeah. probably should never go away like that just to me seems like a thing that should happen with any communicable disease that can kill people yeah just right like that that is isolating yeah <laughs> like if there was a non-pandemic 
respiratory illness that can be passed by air easily and can kill people. And it's not COVID. It's some other disease that gets passed through the air and it's contagious and you get it. Don't go around other people. Like that, that should be common sense. Um, and I get we I don't know if we all like I I get the idea that having a law to do that is is significant, but I don't know. Yeah, man, it just seems like uh, this that seems less these... than the bare minimum. Yeah, that's right. And uh, it's it's I think it's similar in uh, the same with it vein as like the mask. He says no mask mandate uh, yeah. because masks have been uh, normalized in society. Well, I don't know if you know this, Scott, but. You go around the city or the province and most people are not wearing masks. <laughs> like they're not that normalized. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, Mr. I Mo, I'm sorry, but it. you are misinformed about what is normalized in society. Yeah. And it's the people not wearing masks are the ones most important to be wearing masks. I, I suspect masks are not being worn disproportionately by people who are also not vaccinated. Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, exactly. The, the, the whole if A then B thing, I was just saying with the previous story, I was going to talk about this. I got in an argument with a gentleman who was talking about, he he kept quoting this scientist. Um, <laughs> I, you, know, you know, I won't even put that in quotes. He was actually an actual scientist, one of the 5% that um, does speak against vaccines. And, he, and, and it was an actual epidemiologist who like had some credentials. I looked into that. When, when having this discussion and he was basically um, talking about vaccines that his, some of his reasons for people not getting vaccinated, I think were a bit sketchy, but again, they were, they were. And this guy was like, this guy's been batting a thousand. Every prediction he's made is accurate. I will listen to him <laughs> over every other scientist. And so I read what the guy wrote and the scientist wrote, instead of vaccination, we should go back to the measures to, um, that we that we had been doing before, and basically he's advocating for severe isolation and mask wearing, right? And Extreme lockdowns, <laughs> yeah. Until until herd immunity is built up, because we want to have this spread slowly, so herd immunity can build up slowly rather than forced evolution of the virus through vaccines. Um, and that was his big argument: is that vaccines will make this thing evolve quicker. Okay. Um, which again, I don't necessarily agree with, but this guy was like, no. The scientist was big on we have severe isolation and mask wearing, and so I said to my guy, "Okay, so like, you say this guy's batting a thousand, you believe, you know, him implicitly, you think he's brilliant. So of course, I'm assuming you support him in his wearing mask, his thing about wearing masks and going into you know extreme isolation." Well, no, I just because I be- agree with him on one area doesn't mean I agree with him on another. Um, but batting a thousand means that he's I know, perfect score, right? And then he starts talking. If someone tells me I should wear a motorcycle helmet, but then they come along and say I should drive 120 miles an hour, that doesn't mean I'm going to believe their second thing. And I'm like, no, no, that's like that's someone a bad saying. Comparison. Well, I said no, no, it's the opposite. That's like someone saying you don't need to wear a motorcycle helmet if you're only driving 20 kilometers an hour. And then you saying, see, he said, I don't need to wear a helmet. I'm going to ignore the only driving 20 kilometers an hour part, though. And we seem to have this with COVID in so many areas. Like, oh, well, we're going to ignore the mask. We're not going to put in mask mandates because everyone's just going to wear masks anyways, except for the fact that not everyone is, right? Like, it's, yeah. you, 
if you're saying we don't need A because we already have B, then you need to have <laughs> B, right? We don't yeah. need that. Va- we don't need vaccine passports because everyone's just wearing masks. Well, n- no, then you need to ensure everyone's wearing masks. Yeah, then you need oh, a mask we don't need, mandate. Or, yeah. We don't need a mask mandate because everyone's getting vaccinated. Well, no, then if you're saying, you t- like, you, you got to pick one or something or have a plan. Yeah. If you come out and say we've, have this other thing that's been shown to work somewhere or we're going to try it instead. And it's proven successful in other places. Sure. I'll listen. I'm yeah. fine with that. Um, but you can't say again, you can't say we're not going to do a, cause we're going to do B instead. But then when someone suggests B, you come back and say, Oh, we're not going to do B. We're going to do a instead. And then just do nothing. <laughs> yeah. And just always keep switching so that you never have to do anything. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> we have about 40 people uh, protest COVID-19 measures behind Saskatoon Hospital and are met by a counter-protest. Um, the thing, so what measures are they actually protesting? People they don't want to have to isolate? <laughs> they don't want to have to isolate? People being mean to them. Oh, is that what it is? Essentially, like <laughs> at this point, the protests seem to be about people saying they should get vaccinated. Yeah. Because <laughs> no, no government is forcing vaccinations. Yeah. And, and they, they admit that, right? The protesters say they're saying we're not mandating anything yet. Um, but they're well, silently sitting by and watching like, yeah, exactly. Um, and, and like they're talking about other thing, uh, like non parts of the government or other areas imposing what they're calling draconian measures. Right. Mm-hmm. Like, so yes, individual school boards are stepping up and doing what the province won't. Individual businesses are stepping up and doing what the yeah. province won't. But then why are you blocking the hospital? That, like, <laughs> yeah. And, this guy, know, yeah. Says, I, <laughs> go yeah, ahead. Well, I remember, and I don't know, maybe I have a magically longer memory than some of these yahoos but i seem to remember you know two three four years ago when there were indigenous protests on rail lines that were blocking freight rail Um, all of a sudden people were up in arms about some sort of way down the supply chain this might impact a hospital somehow in some way right or when there are um black lives matter protests that actively part and separate to let emergency vehicles through people are like, Oh, well they're blocking ambulances. Right. Yet when these nut jobs to, uh, steal, uh, Brad Wall's favorite word, when these nut jobs are encircling hospitals, um, that apparently is fine. Um, and yeah, they're like, again, this isn't just a random bridge or a freight train somewhere at some point in the supply chain, they're literally encircling hospitals. And I was told that in some locations they all, they were letting ambulances through and in some they weren't, but again, they were blocking chemo patients from coming in for their chemo treatment. They were blocking um, anything that wasn't an ambulance from getting in unless they ran over the protesters, which, you know, most sane people don't do. And and yeah. in Canada is luckily still illegal in most places to run over a protester because, you know, that's murder. Yeah, um, no kidding. 
That's vehicular Des- assault or whatever. The Despite what, in certain jurisdictions, they are changing the law to say. Yeah. Um, but again, it, it it's the hypocrisy for me. Yeah, I want to be careful too, though, um, because Trudeau the uh, like was saying something today in a, a live uh, press conference or something about uh, making uh, it illegal to block uh, pro, uh, like hospital access with a protest. And I want to be careful that if they do something like that, that the wording doesn't you know trickle down to people who happen to be blocking a bridge that might somehow access a yeah. hospital. You know? oh, for sure. <laughs> Cause, for sure. Yeah. Cause that could easily go the wrong way if yep. they just are going to outlaw certain types of protests. Yep. And again, I, I think the right to protest is important. I think that is something they should like, I'm still allowed to judge people for why they're protesting. Right. Yes. This, the whole yes. thing about equality is that people need to be equal under the law. I can still think one group of people is an asshole and another group isn't like, That's I right. can still like, even, even <laughs> if these assholes weren't protesting, let's say they were protesting in front of the legislature. I would 100% say yes, you have the right to protest in front of They're the legislature. Still assholes. I still think you're an <laughs> asshole and an, and and actively causing harm because of your cause. Like, yeah, that's right. I can still think that, even if I support their right to have the protest. Um, yeah. And again, it, it's part of why I'm so frustrated is the hypocrisy because, again, the quote unquote other side doesn't see it the same way. They will bend over backwards to justify why these are freedom fighters and you know we should have <laughs> this that and the other thing about freedom 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 yeah but but of then of course if it's an indigenous protest or a black lives matter protest or a fight for queer rights or a fight for reproductive rights then all of a sudden yeah. well no these are just hoodlums and thugs they should they should be quiet criminals. So that, yeah try to appeal to us in a different way because we don't like their protests. Yeah. So. But I'm feeling very ranty on this podcast. This, this week <laughs> doesn't seem to have a lot of deep philosophical points. And I feel bad about that, but it, some of these are just, they're issues that have been coming up over and over and over again. Yeah. Um, there's a bit of fatigue setting in and That's I think fair. most people just, people know, well, yeah, they just certainly know where we stand. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. True point. There was some vandalism done for a memorial for residential schools by a racist or a group of racists. And then uh, the Pile of Bones Brewing Company uh, e- ejected them from their bi- place of business. And uh, yeah, so I wanted to give these guys a shout out. Uh, <laughs> this is pretty cool. They uh, went out of their way to... Uh, like, you know, kick them out and yeah. actually say, you're not welcome here. If you're going to be like racist, we are not. Uh, no, it's good. It. Yeah. And no. uh, in the discussion about it, the people who destroyed the pro the uh, memorial came into the discussion thread and started defending why they did it. So they're outing themselves as who they are. And I'm not right. going to go into to that here, but I'm hoping there ends up being some consequences for that. Um, yeah, no, it was, yeah, yeah, it, it, (laughs) this goes beyond free speech when you're destroying memorials. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Like the, the memorial is free speech, but then you go and destroy it 
And so you're effectively, you're shutting down somebody else's speech, which is one of these things that, uh, it, it seems to happen a lot. Uh, but then we have, we, it's a very complicated discussion, but I don't, I'm not down with guys, uh, people destroying a, a memorial for, yeah. uh, residential schools. And like we say, we're moving away from, from COVID, um, it was anti. It was an it was an anti-vaccine protest. True. When the memorial got destroyed, so yeah. uh, again, there's some overlap here between the the anti-vaxxers and <laughs> the yeah. racist fucknuts. When I, I saw I saw a post on Reddit and it said the Venn diagram of anti-vaccine people and racists is a little. There's a lot of overlap there. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, but again, um, sh- yeah, kudos to uh, Pile of Bones Brewery for for standing up for what they believe. And the, like this, just comes back to the businesses are allowed to deny service. Um, yes. We have laws that say businesses are not allowed to deny services on protected grounds. Um, but being a racist fucknut is not a protected ground. And being an anti-vaxxer <laughs> no, is not a protected ground. Yeah, um, that's right. You're, you're allowed to deny services to people for being a racist piece of shit. And you should. <laughs> Ask me how I really feel. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, on to the federal election. Um, early voting ends today. Uh, it's Monday the 13th. Uh, nec- the ele- actual election is one week from today. So... We got a couple stories for this. The first one has a, a distinctly Saskatchewan uh, angle to it, which is the liberal candidate for uh, Regina Wascana. He had to put out a release. Well, I guess he didn't have to, yeah. but he did. If, <laughs> but he put it out uh, the statement because he said he was out uh, door knocking and. The volunteer and himself were subjected to 45 minutes of harassment from a person who had a conservative lawn sign on their property. Uh, they followed them at, to the car where they blocked them from leaving and then threw dog shit on the windshield. Uh, so, and then they, I guess, Sean McEachin, McCurd? I think it's McEachern. McEachern. Uh, Sean McEachern ended up, uh, calling the police, um, so I don't know, and I like. I, I think he put out a, a pretty short, but it was a four paragraph letter um, that or release yeah. that he put out. The third kind of speaks to it, right? Like, I don't have a solution for this problem, but I can't let this experience pass without expressing my disappointment. Right. There is room for disagreement and debate in our democracy, but not for harassment. Yeah, um, and again, it just seems like. It seems like there is a disconnect as to which side of that line things fall on. And I know you and I both try and be very accountable with ourselves, not letting, quote unquote, our side cross that line without calling it out. Um, Again, it just seems like there's some pretty significant inconsistencies coming from, quote unquote, the other side on this issue. Right. Um, And to be fair, like, the liberals aren't your side. They're barely no. my side. I didn't vote liberal this time. Like I did. Like I didn't vote for. I'm, I'm in his riding, and I did not vote for Sean McEachern. Um, no. um, but still. But still. But even if it had been an 
NDP supporter doing this to the Liberal candidate instead. Like if if we had if this story had been an identical story, but it had been an NDP supporter doing it to a Liberal, I don't think my opinion on it would be any different. No, uh, that's right. I'm I okay. I'm hard pressed to think of an NDP supporter that I know that would do something like, that. <laughs> like, like you might argue at the door. You might have differences of opinion, right? Like you might try to debate them a little bit, but you wouldn't chase them to the car and throw dog shit on the window. Like, eh, you have some friends in your social circle who I would, who would be NDP supporters if they lived in Canada, who have talked about like actively believing in murdering all bankers. Because <laughs> uh, they, they actively advocated for my murder um, and did things like say, hey, are you Jewish because you're a banker? Um, like yeah, the, the, the left, the left is not immune to some of this shit. <laughs> so, but, yeah. but again, yeah, try and, it's try not and cool. call it out. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. not cool. Right. We, <laughs> even if someone, you know, is either to the left of me or thinks they're to the left of me, because, um, again, the, whether someone's to the left or the right is going to vary issue by issue. Um, it's not like this is tolerable behavior when it comes from it. No, that's right. um, And again, we see things like relatively calm disagreement coming from the left when a right winger does something, get treated as if it was murderous intent and crossing the line into harassment when it was literally just disagreement. However, when, it's it is to this extreme it being referred to as just civil discourse when it is obviously not so again right i know some of this does come down to um like again we have you and i have biases too but it, it really yep. does seem like the partisanship is much much stronger coming from one side than the other and that may be because the left is split in this country that uh, so. could be yeah I think also, like we've seen similar issues in past elections, but not like not necessarily harassment of an individual, but like we talk about like the Nazi symbols on uh, signs for, you know, uh, people of color who are running or is stuff like that. Like it happens and it's not the left doing that. It's not the NDPers or the liberals doing that. Like it's. it's yeah, I don't one, see a lot of vandalized conservative signs. No. And I mean, like, the I, I imagine, I, I imagine well, myself one day thinking like, oh, I would sure like to wreck that sign, but I don't like stop and get out of my car and do it. <laughs> yeah. And I think if you think back like five years ago or six years ago, I guess the biggest vandalism that you saw coming from the left was the word Harper being written on stop signs. Yes. Right. Because we did see that, yeah. right? We saw the word, the word Harper spray painted on stop signs. And am I, am I, Biased as to not consider that in the same league as putting swastika. Like, I, I don't think I am. I think, like, to me, that doesn't feel the same as putting a swastika on the campaign sign of a person of color or throwing dog shit at something. Like, those, those don't seem to be comparable, but it, I don't know if that's just my bias coming through. No. I don't I think, think it is. Yeah. <laughs> I think if we, if, if we're just considering that our bias, we might be holding ourselves to too high of a standard. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> Because that's just those right, they're yeah. very different. I'll leave it alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So again, this is a bullshit thing that happened. Um, yeah, you can right. disagree with someone. And I saw a um, again. I'm getting a little far afield here, but I I I, I have been fifty fifty on the on my opinions on some of the NDP marketing and um, coming. I, I go I go back and forth between 
guys focus on yourselves, stop being shitty versus okay, that's actually pretty <laughs> funny. Um there was an NDP uh TikTok that I saw um that said um if if you don't believe in I stand with Trudeau, but you also don't believe in I think Trudeau should go to jail. <laughs> yeah. Maybe you should join us where we think Trudeau probably shouldn't be prime minister anymore, but we don't have to put him in prison. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, let me introduce you too. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought that was very clever and it does kind of come back to where I think we probably should be. Like, again, yeah. I don't think Aaron O'Toole should be in jail. Um, I don't think he should be prime minister. That's right. um, I don't think we need to be imprisoning people. Um, I don't think we need to be throwing dog shit at Aaron O'Toole. Um, no. So, no. like, although, okay, so I saw a video of a guy who went up to get a selfie with uh, Maxime Bernier, and he broke an egg over his head, and I laughed so hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's an egg. Uh, he's not hurt, but and yeah. it's not, and it's not 45 minutes, and it's not preventing it from again like where where is like i think a a discussion can be about where the line is and and you know when jean Chrétien got hit with cream pie in the face like where does that fall um like there is a line we can acknowledge that it's on a scale um i I definitely think um swastikas and dog shit are pretty clearly past wherever that line like wherever yeah. you want to draw the line on what is a reasonable expression of um discontent i i think we can probably say those cross the line yeah i think that's yeah. fair and especially when it is a unelected person campaigning during an election right, right? like this isn't like I think if someone I'm gonna I think if someone threw a piece of dog shit at Trudeau during a campaign event, I'd probably be a little less bothered by it. And and again, is this my weird bias? But like <laughs> he's actually doing things. He actually is right. the prime minister. He's not just <laughs> yeah. some guy running for election. Same party. Um, yeah. See conservatives, we're fine with you throwing dog shit at Trudeau. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? To be honest, I'd probably be more bothered by someone throwing dog shit at O'Toole because like uh, or saying. Um, yeah, yeah, because they're not actually the ones doing yeah. things, right? And again, there's I'm, I, I probably do have some cognitive biases yeah. coming in there, and maybe I just need to unpack that and deconstruct it in my own mind and come back to how I think on it. But it, again, a, we we can acknowledge that it's complex while still yeah. also acknowledging that some things are not. So the only other story we have is uh, this from the Taiyi, and it's basically a discussion about uh, does strategic voting actually work. Um, yeah, it's an interesting article. Yeah, I, I think it's an in, yeah, it's a it's a worthy article of it's worth the read. Yeah. If uh, somebody has you know isn't sure where they feel about this and what want a perspective a particular perspective on it. Yeah. Um, I know yeah. that in the past I've tried strategic voting. Uh, I don't think it's worth it this time. I'm just going to vote with who I identify better with. So. Well, and it, in a parliamentary system, strategic voting is tied to the um, riding, not to the overall election. So it doesn't yeah. matter how the Liberals or NDP or Conservatives are doing on a federal level. It matters how they're doing in your riding as to whether strategic voting matters or not. Um, but yeah. we're small enough that we don't have super accurate reporting on 
strategic voting within an individual on an individual writing basis. Yeah. So. so yeah, that that yeah. is what it is. So. Yeah. Um, I, I think is there one? Uh, it, it's interesting to talk about, or it's interesting yeah. to think about whether or not it's uh, you should put the effort in to calculate, you know, the odds of various ridings if it's your area, um, and if you should vote for a liberal instead of an NDP or a green or what have you. One of the things that I always sort of, I, I do have to remind some of the people in my social group, and I I talk a lot about how the left is in a lot less of an echo chamber than the right thinks it is. Um, but I think this is one of the very, very, very few times the left can sometimes suffer from the echo chamber effect in that I think a lot of the people who are NDP supporters have convinced themselves that everyone who votes liberal is only doing it because they really want to vote NDP um, but are voting strategically when yeah. realistically the majority of the people who vote liberal are voting liberal because they want to vote liberal. They actually do support the liberals yeah. over the NDP. Um, and amongst the people who do vote liberal, some of their second choice is conservatives. Yes. Um, like that's yeah. the thing about a centrist party. Um, yeah. Like that's, I, I think that is becoming less and less so over time. Um but I think back to um, the election, say late '90s, when 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 the Conservative Party was the the original Progressive Conservative Party was almost gone, not quite gone yet, and Joe Clark came back for the second time as the leader. Um, like my first choice in that election was actually the Progressive Conservatives. I actually liked the Progressive Conservatives over. I'm trying to. I don't think it was Gretchen anymore that was running. Um, but like maybe, maybe it was, um, I'd have to go back and look it up because this is, we're now dealing with, you know, 20, 30 years ago. Yeah. That's getting um, pretty far away now. Pretty far back. Right. Um, <laughs> and I'm old, so my memory's starting to slip. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> couldn't have been 30 years ago because I was old enough to vote. But, um, but again, like the, there are people who like choice number one is liberals. If the liberals weren't around, they would vote conservative or in some cases their first choice would be conservative, but they're worried enough about the NDP winning. They vote liberal. Or, um, uh, one of the things that people have said is that like uh, some people who their first choice is conservatives and in a normal situation, they might go to the liberals, you know, if they were worried, if there was too much racism within the conservative party or something and they would, uh, so they would go to the liberals. But now uh, the racism is in the people's party. Of, so then they can stay in the conservative party and still justify that to themselves as they're not voting for the not party. Bad. Yeah, the idea that um, the, the PPC was going to split the conservatives um, almost did the opposite of what the, the split yeah. did on the left, right? It, it, it made the conservatives seem a lot more moderate because you now have an even more extreme party. On the, on the right. To some extent, I think some people thought that do think that about the NDP now because of the existence of the Greens, that the NDP seem right. quote unquote more moderate because they think the, the Greens are to the left of the NDP. Where in reality the Greens really aren't to the left of the NDP. They're they're they are <laughs> they're, more they're focused. All over the map. <laughs> they're all over the map, right? They're because um, yeah. they haven't coalesced into a, a solid platform yet, which is normal for young new parties, right? They're right, still right. they're still finding their identity. Um, but they're they're kind of like the liberals, but with a heavy, heavy focus on environmentalism. 
Yeah. Um, but they, they probably, when all is said and done, um, it, it will, I, I think, are far, far more likely to coalesce into joining with the liberals at some point or become a liberal centrist alternative rather than uh, a left-wing NDP. But now we're really getting far afield into my <laughs> speculating on hypotheticals and moved a little bit away from that strategic I guess building, so. before we go close up for the night, uh, I just was looking at 338 Canada, um, and we're looking at uh, projection as of tonight is uh, 146 seats for uh, the Liberals and 126 for the Conservatives, with an error of quite a bit, though. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be an interesting... Yeah. Like, I think the margin of error is big enough that the liberals could form a majority and the conservatives could form a minority. Yeah. That's right? Right. Like, I, I don't think the margin of error is quite big enough for the conservatives to form a majority. It doesn't uh, look like it. Yeah. No, but, I think it looks the most seats that they, even if all of the seats and error goes to their benefit, they'll end up with 163 according to this. Yeah. So. Wow. We but, do, what, what you don't want is the conservatives have the conservatives being within range of a conservative block coalition because the conservatives don't need a majority they need to have them if they have a minority that gets the block within yeah and like because if the conservatives need to rely on the ndp or the liberals to pass things that that it really holds them back that right? hamstrings yeah. them if they need if they can rely on the block to get things passed, they can um, make a they can make some deals and get what they want. Yeah, we, like that's Mulroney. Like Mulroney, yeah. the, the Mulroney, the Mulroney progressive conservatives were the Bloc Québécois inside the Conservative Party. Like Lucien Bouchard, the founder of the conser- the Bloc Québécois, was a was a conservative Mulroney cabinet minister. Yeah. Um. So, so. that's dangerous. Yeah. Um, that is as dangerous as a conservative majority in my. Possibly more so, but yeah. Anyways, and it's that's... and it's entirely a possibility. So yeah, I mean, so go vote. If, go vote. If if Corey is diligent and hardworking, which I know he is, and gets this out and onto the airwaves prior to the election, and you're listening to this before the twentieth, go vote. Yes, this will be out before Monday. Perfect. So. <laughs> I, I went and voted in the the uh, uh, the early polling. I. The, the the moment I was able to to go vote, I did. I'm I, I'm moving. My my address is going to change in the next couple days. So I did, and oh, I'm yeah. still within the same riding. I just had to like you know, I don't want to deal with my address not being the same again. I'm within the same <laughs> riding. It shouldn't yeah. be an issue. I just want to go make it simple and vote ahead of time, yeah. and that I don't have to be stressed out when I go in to change the address of my driver's license. I was like, actually, I was kind of excited to get into the early voting. Uh, because I was like, Hey, I'm on days off. This will be perfect. And then I've been busy every single day. (laughs) So I'm going to have to just go vote on election day. Um, unfortunately, but after coming, some kind of, yeah, it's like some kind of average person. (laughs) Yeah. So, but anyways, I'm curious. I will be, uh, I say with bated breath, but I'll certainly be pretty uh, anxious on Monday to see where things go. Um, I, I suspect we will find ourselves in a very similar spot to where we entered yeah. the election from, but, um, I really don't see it changing that much. Honestly, no. it, I, 
the numbers could swing whatever way, but I think that we're just going to end up. And I think we're going to have a, yeah, I think we're going to have a blue sweep of Saskatchewan. Um, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I wanted to, to do what like, you know, you and I formed this podcast during the provincial and municipal elections and did a lot more deep dives into individual races. And I kind of had the hope and expectation of doing something similar for federal. And it really didn't seem like there was tons of value to it because <laughs> again, I wish I was wrong. And I wish I could come say in each writing, here's where you want to vote liberal or uh, right. NDP. Uh, Cause realistically, neither you nor I are going to recommend a conservative this time around. Right. Um, but I, I think vote your conscience. I don't think there's enough. I don't think it's within striking range for strategic voting on any side right now. So. I thought, I think I looked uh, during this last couple of weeks, I did take a peek at what uh, some of the, if there was any close riding within Saskatchewan. And I think the only close one that was, uh, that 338 was saying was, um, was the ours was Regina Wascana. Um, and, and that was between, I think that was mostly based on last year being Ralph Goodale. Yeah. Like, Cause I, I, nobody, nobody knows Sean. Sean McEachern is not going to get Ralph Goodale numbers. And no. So like Ralph Goodale didn't get Ralph Goodale numbers. Like, no, uh, my, it's Michael Cram. Who's a conservative. I believe Yeah, he got more than 50% of the vote last time. So even had a hundred percent of the liberals voted NDP or a hundred percent of the NDP voted liberal. And we, again, as we were saying, we know that's not going to happen. Yeah. The conservative would still win. And that's, again, that's the closest. So, yeah, I, I just think, uh, these these uh, polling companies sometimes they just skip over Saskatchewan and just go oh well we'll use last year's numbers it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. You can find this at Anchor.fm/slash From Many Peoples. Our Twitter is at skpoliticspod. Our Facebook is facebook.com/slash From Many Peoples Strength Pod, and you can email us at From Many Peoples at gmail.com. Or you can buy us a coffee at buymeacoffee.com slash from many peoples. Thanks once again, David, for joining Thank me. Thank you, Corey. And uh, talk to you again in two weeks. Talk about yeah. the uh, the aftermath of the election right. at that point. <laughs> yeah. And how it's going to affect Saskatchewan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs>